welcome back, Calm listeners. This is Methodical Millions, where you can better your future and better yourself. Cal, I wanted to talk about something coming out, which is Ethereum 2.0. And for those who missed the first episode on Ethereum, check out our show notes where we discussed a bit about the intro on the technology. It's a type of crypto. But Ethereum has been spiking recently to all-time highs. And I have a feeling a big reason for that is because of this whole 2.0 movement. So for our listeners, what is Ethereum 2.0 and why should we care? Well, for me, at first, it actually was a bit confusing trying to understand it. And I don't blame anyone who finds it a bit challenging to understand a bit of what and how cryptocurrency work. But basically, Ethereum 2.0 is based on the improvement on the current Ethereum blockchain. So what happens is Ethereum was developed as a blockchain in, I think, back in 2014. And the currency that we use based on that blockchain is Ether. That's the one that actually is spiking value right now, although we've been seeing some volatility. So what is Ethereum? Ethereum is basically the platform or the blockchain that the technology has been used. A lot of the current decentralized finance or decentralized applications that are based on that blockchain, it's the most used blockchain that there is. It seems that based in 2018, I think, when the last boom happened in cryptocurrency, there was some challenges with the transaction speed or processing for Ethereum. It got overwhelmed and the Ethereum 2.0 is a version of it where it actually advances and improves on the current blockchain quite significantly to the point that would see more efficiency in the process, see more environmentally friendly approach to it. And it's quite smart, I think, from the plan has been laid out for these different phases of this project. Yeah, so it's like the internet in 1998. You've got Netscape browser, you've got eBay emerging, PayPal, and Amazon. And I think this tech is still very early. So for those that think you're missing the boat, you're not. Hasn't even left the dock. So I wanted to ask a clarifying question. What's being built on these decentralized finance or dApps? I played around with it last week and you can exchange tokens on there. And My understanding is tokens themselves are a derivative of coins. So coins are native to a blockchain. Tokens are built superficially on there, but they're exchanged in similar ways, almost like a pseudo blockchain. Is that correct? In 2017, there was an ICO mania, meaning independent coin offering. And people are raising $200 million saying, give me your Bitcoin. I've got the next biggest hit. And It got so bad that thousands of these projects went to zero. None of them even got developed for the most part, except for a couple. And some of these tokens also emerged. The biggest token I know of, which I was surprised was even a token, but it's in the name. I just didn't associate the two. Basic attention token. I've got some on Coinbase. It's actually something that you get for watching YouTube videos. And if you use Brave Browser as opposed to Chrome or something like Safari, you get paid for your attention. And... This is turning the internet into a thriving economy. And there's thousands of these things. There's so many different kinds. In fact, I actually 
just made a methodical millions token. It's called MMS and you can actually find it online. It's not being traded right now, but we will absolutely find a way to distribute this and get people on board. I was thinking, how do you participate in the space in a genuine way while trying to learn without, I don't want to get rich quick. I don't want to be a con artist necessarily. I want to see what the space is about and I want to try and add value to our listeners. So my whole theory was, can you distribute these tokens to people who listen to an episode? It was an idea I was floating around. So yeah, what's your comments on tokens on Ethereum blockchain? And there's actually a code, I think it's called ERC20, which is the actual smart contract technology on top of it. And my understanding is, again, what makes Ethereum unique is coding on top of that, which is why there are tokens on top of Ethereum blockchain and not Bitcoin. Bitcoin has derivatives like Litecoin and Dogecoin. The code was changed slightly in a new way. And it's like a religion. People adopt these things like Bitcoin Cash and all these derivatives to say, this is what I believe in. And I'm not quite certain that the incentives of believing are untied with enormous wealth. I have a feeling people are backing this for financial reasons, for their own company reasons. I have a bit of that feeling. But Vitalik himself, who made Ethereum, donated a billion dollars. He seems like the real deal. He seems like a pioneer who's actually building in the space. And I think it's just so new for us too that we wanted to talk about it. We may see a huge spike in Ethereum usage and Ethereum valuation and utility. The whole thing with crypto was utility. It's useless. It's expensive. I'm not going to pay 50,000 US dollars for a Bitcoin. Why would I buy it? It's risky. And besides the people on the fringe who are essentially a rabid fan base, it's not there for mainstream adoption, but Ethereum might be. You have NFTs, you have things like these tokens. So do you think tokens are more interesting than Ethereum itself, at least for 1.0, Cal? I'm actually also new to tokens. So it's very, very exciting. The possibilities are quite big and the potential is there. But besides that, the tokens actually still need to me. I am learning they're based on different cryptocurrencies. Ethereum is the largest in that sense that a lot of tokens are based on the Ethereum blockchain. And it really comes down to processing power. The transaction per second is what's been challenging, making use of the Ethereum blockchain. So Ethereum 1.0, I think, is around 3,000 transactions per second. Just for a point of reference, the company like Visa processes around 15,000 transactions per second. 3,000 is, in relative terms, for the potential of what this can do is actually small because you're talking something that's growing quite aggressively and being quite popular very, very quickly. So the point with Ethereum 2.0 is increasing that transaction per second, increasing the efficiency of the blockchain. So instead of 3,000, you'll be looking at closer to 100,000 transactions per second. This is very, very simply put. What you're looking at is effectively 30 times faster and a significant improvement in efficiency as well in terms of energy consumption. This is an article that I came across and I found quite fascinating. I'd like to share. One transaction of Ethereum consumes so much energy, the equivalent of almost three days worth of energy of one household on average is what it takes to use for one transaction for Ethereum. Now, Bitcoin is actually worse. 
And that's, I think, why it's been getting quite a lot of slack lately. One transaction will take about 38 days worth of the average American household. So with Ethereum 2.0, you're looking at a significant decrease. One transaction would equate to about 20 minutes of watching TV. That's huge, enormous. You're looking at almost a 99% improvement in efficiency. So that's an energy consumption alone. And because it's way more efficient, much faster than Ethereum 1.0, you're looking at significantly more applications, significantly more uses for that blockchain. And it drives excitement even more. Now, for me personally, I find it's quite a steep learning curve. So I'm learning a lot very quickly, but there are a lot of things that I still find confusing. And I think it's normal for everyone. So if you're confused or you're not catching up, it's completely normal. It took me time to understand this a bit more, but the idea and the prospect, once I realized what this means, they were able to do this by something called the proof of stake. So what current cryptocurrencies, Ripple or Bitcoin, and Ethereum, they have what we call proof of work. For you to actually mine, once a transaction has been placed, it goes through a stream or system of computers. Those computers will be doing some calculations. And based on those calculations, it could be your computer, it could be my computer, it could be a mining factory, maybe somewhere in Asia. What happens is once that transaction goes there and it's able to be calculated, a percentage of that would be taken and the rest would be transferred to the other party. Now, with proof of stake, they're able to increase the transactions per second. That's how they'd be able to increase the efficiency. You don't need much more than a, something as powerful as a normal laptop. And what it is, it takes the software ability and hardware that you have, and it's based on your financial commitments. For example, I would need to have at least 32 ethers for me to be able to join that network. And by putting up that stake, it turns me into a validator. And I, as a validator, would basically be able to put new blocks on the chain. And long story short, I get rewarded for it. It's no longer an energy consumption focus. And it really solves the high consumption, high energy, the mining issue that we've been finding because it's fundamentally changing the way we deal with cryptocurrency, or at least in this case with Ethereum. Yeah. The proof of work system was inherent to why the blockchain in Bitcoin would be built out and why that blockchain would become this immutable ledger that is in the sky and would never go away because you would have a financial incentive in the name of Bitcoins. You would get money back. So you would get Bitcoin back. And because Bitcoin goes through halving periods every so often, the reward gets smaller and smaller. So it used to be let's say something like 10 Bitcoin a block and a mining pool. So you throw your hash power, meaning your computer CPU, your GPU to participate in that pool. And every once in a while, that block gets solved. If your pool solves the block, you get the reward. Different miners jump in and fight over who's going to win. And that's why the GPU industry has been skyrocketing, mostly due to Bitcoin mining. And there were specific mining technologies built around this. And I guess we're seeing a shift. We're seeing a shift to this validation system. You can run a Bitcoin node, but I think it's something like 200 gigs of data. And it used to be 50 when I had originally done it. And it requires your computer to be on 24-7 because you have to re-download the parts you missed. So if you have a traditional Bitcoin wallet, you have to download the whole blockchain. If you have a Dogecoin wallet or Ethereum or Litecoin, 
These are essentially how these technologies work. And I guess my question is, are we going to see a hard fork where in the past, if you had something like Bitcoin Cash was also going to solve the transaction problem by increasing block size. So instead of, I think, one megabyte, it went to eight megabytes or something like that, meaning they can handle more transactions per block and it was supposed to bring the cost down. I remember sending a $10 of Bitcoin to a coworker two, three years back, and I think it cost me $20. It was kind of absurd in terms of how expensive that got. But Ethereum is experiencing a similar problem. They're called gas fees. And that's essentially the cost of the transaction. So the cost of the transaction is very expensive. To send one Ether, you would actually spend hundreds of dollars to transact. And this became absurd to the point where it disincentivizes transactions. It encourages people to buy up Ethereum and hold it and hope to get rich, but not actually use it. So I suppose Ethereum 2.0 is trying to solve utilization. And this is the way to do it. And those efficiency stats are wild. I didn't know that that was the scale and the magnitude of reduction. seems like it's actually really progressing. And this actually reminds me of being able to download music going to video. This is a huge jump in the technology. And the only difference is we didn't talk about it online, but it's very similar to me. The analogy I would use is learning the app space or what's possible with mobile gaming. That's why I just love technology in itself, because I know the things that are going to come from this will be beyond anyone's wildest dreams. It actually feels like the internet's evolving. So to be a validator, I heard about that. So proof of stake, it's essentially like getting a savings account and holding 32 Ether and getting rewarded. I suppose that's a barrier to entry to make sure not everyone is validating. And I suppose the incentive to validate this correctly is to own your own Ethereum Is there any indication as to how much validation reward will be sent back or anything like that? Is the validation reward higher or lower than the mining reward from 1.0? That's a very good question. I'm sure there might be some information about it online. I haven't come across any of it, so I wouldn't be able to comment on that. But yes, you are right. You do get rewarded for it. And then you have the other thing of thinking, how much energy would I be saving? How much I'll be getting? Is it better for you to invest into the mining technology? I guess you have to do the math at that point. But the environmental aspect for me personally is almost enough to make me excited because it is worrisome in that sense. And it makes me that much more excited to know that it has a significant decrease in the environmental impact. You have a much more efficient system that's much faster. That's not going to be the case for everyone. Some people might think that it's better off just to mine because some people are after the absolute number of how much I'll be getting mining it compared to doing the proof of work compared to the proof of stake concept. So that's something maybe we have to look into. So my experience from following the crypto space, whenever a technology evolved from Bitcoin specifically, like Bitcoin Cash, where the block size has changed, you would have a hard fork. And some miners would mine Bitcoin Cash and some would mine Bitcoin. And a lot of exchanges or wallets would essentially duplicate your holdings. So if you had 20 Bitcoin, you would also get 20 Bitcoin cash. And it became a religious divide on which one will succeed. And people would start these forum wars on, I'm going to sell my Bitcoin cash or I'm going to sell my Bitcoin. I don't believe in it. But ultimately, you could have held both. 
And if you're going to store those assets, they all become useful to some degree. These coins didn't go to zero. They're worth hundreds of dollars, if not thousands. So there's a case to be made for both. And Ethereum itself did go through a hard fork as well. So the hard fork, I believe, was related to a huge hack that happened. And the network decided to actually reverse the hack and split, essentially fork before the hack and start a new chain and make that the canonical true chain of Ethereum. And what happened was Ethereum persisted as Ethereum and Ethereum Classic became the former. It's kind of interesting because Ethereum Classic is now trading at tens or hundreds of dollars, but Ethereum's at thousands of dollars. I think it's a mix of mining support users, use case of the technology. I don't think people are using Ethereum Classic to exchange NFTs or to build tokens. I think it's on Ethereum. It's almost like people end up voting with their wallets and their computers. That's why this whole process is supposed to be decentralized and more democratic because the prevailing currency can change, just like government superpowers. They change over time. But I guess what I'm most interested to see is, as I said, how much is the validation reward? And then are we going to hard fork? So is Ethereum 2.0 going to keep the Ethereum branding or is it going to change? Because this is very common when technology split. There's going to be a renaming or an iteration. And sometimes there's a fight over the name too. I think there was a board vote in this case. I don't really know the involvement. For a currency that's so decentralized or that's the idea, there has to be a developer. What made Bitcoin unique was that the developer was anonymous. So it was almost embedded in the technology and in the inception that the creator is unknown. And that's what made Bitcoin beautiful, actually, which is you don't know who started it, but it's there. It persists. And people tried to claim ownership. People tried to hack it, tear it down, ban it. But none of that worked. And it's still around. So it's almost like a wonder of the world, at least of the digital world. It's definitely one of the seven wonders, in my opinion. And that is essentially what all these other coins, plus or minus, some are more centralized than others. Some have a team of developers. And this is where a lot of the controversy stems in believing in a coin. If you're going to back a coin and work on a project, is it so decentralized if you're now one of eight people who are working on it? This is where the opinions diverge. I think people voted on Ethereum going to 2.0. So is it technically decentralized? Maybe not. And there's evangelists who say, this isn't true decentralized currency. This is not Bitcoin. And that's why you see these kinds of divergence in opinion, because people fundamentally believe different things about what money should be. And the biggest analogy is Amazon, Apple, and Google, let's throw in Facebook, pretty much own the internet in terms of throughput, in terms of usage. When there's four major providers besides the ISPs, these companies will curate what you see. Google shows local results. It's almost like news media deciding what to see. And the internet fundamentally was supposed to be open. So this is kind of the dynamic that is going on behind the scenes as these coins develop, which is what's the right way of doing it? What kind of principled approach do I believe in? And I'm going to back it with my dollars and my time and my computer power and all of that. And I think ultimately these kinds of forces, either based on principle or utility or both, are going to be what drive the success of a currency. The get rich quick is more of a sidelines thing where 
you believe, okay, the technology's early, I'm going to invest and hold on to it. And there are lots of cases like that, but Ethereum wouldn't have evolved without someone saying, we have to improve efficiencies on electricity. We have to get away from this mining aspect. It's really interesting. I'm glad we talked about it. I learned a lot of cool things regarding that. And I think that's happening sometime in August. So for everyone listening, stay tuned. We'll do a follow-up on that. And just to clarify, there's another big smart chain. So it's actually um, the Methodical Millions coin is actually built off the Binance smart chain. It's built off of what I've experienced a more cost-efficient token system where I can transact for cheaper. Compared to Ethereum 1.0, it's cheaper for me to move money back and forth on the Binance Smart Chain. And that's another exchange. So if anyone wants to sign up for Binance, you can check it out. We'll put that in the show notes as well. And Cal, if you can link that article as well, that'd be awesome. The one where you learned all about Ethereum. Absolutely will do. Awesome. It was good to cover that. This is up and coming in the crypto world. And I think everyone should know about it. It's a big change. And We'll keep our listeners updated in the coming weeks on how that goes. So with that said, let's wrap up today's episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of Methodical Millions, where you can better your future and better yourself. Thanks, everyone.